Hi, this is Ashley, the host of Taboo and Murder and Slanted Rants. Today is January 23rd, 2019, and this is a crossover episode, as more and more appear to be. I've had various episodes planned pertaining to the startling number of Indigenous women that have gone missing in North America to the federal shutdown disproportionately impacting Native Americans. After this last weekend, I think it's appropriate to put some things in context. My personal opinion? The MAGA hat-wearing teens from Covington Catholic were being racist. Now, you may disagree. But if you hang in for this episode, maybe you'll see things differently. The historical context is missing from this conversation. The media likes the easy 30-second sound bites and the headlines that garner the most clicks. That said, with the benefit of this historical context, I'll outline, try to step back and look at the macro view of what happened at the Lincoln Memorial. Also, It's a position of white people in power to pit black and brown people against one another. That is a component in this conversation, and I'm afraid to say I'm not well-versed enough in the subject matter yet to tackle that aspect. I have a lot to learn. Native Americans. What do you think of? The Pilgrims and the Indians? Thanksgiving? Rape? Cultural annihilation? Genocide? Continued oppression? Your views likely depend on how whitewashed your history was. I could only speak for myself, but in my educational journey, I was taught a very whitewashed, Eurocentric version of history. As a curious person, I've now spent half of my life educating myself on matters outside a school setting, allowing me to explore differences in perspectives. In short, and without any attempt of eloquence, it fucking pisses me off. America, land of the free, home of the brave. That shit applies to very few, and it's not the Native American population. From literally stealing America and killing 90% of the Native population over hundreds of years to using Navajo code talkers to beat the Japanese in both world wars and turn around to deny these servicemen the GI Bill, we are oppressors. The colonization of the Americas by Europeans decimated the Native American way of life and tore families apart. So real quick, off-script mini-rant for understanding. Do you remember that from textbooks? Check for understanding. Oh my god, they probably don't even have textbooks. If you're like 25 or under, you're like, what, a textbook? All that shit's on iPads. Fuck, I'm old. So in real estate, I've been in real estate for nearly half of my life now, so that's my best um, like reference point. So In real estate post-World War II, there's this GI Bill that you've probably heard about. It allows returning vets to be treated um, at newly established hospitals. It made low-interest mortgages available and granted stipends covering tuitions and fees like those for textbooks. Um, Now it would be iPads. Uh, Vets would need for college and or a trade school. Sounds fucking great, right? If you're white, that is. Okay. I'm just sticking to real estate. Redlining. Look it up if you're unfamiliar. It's fucked up. Redlining kept black vets from buying homes, pushing them into ghettos. Not my words. That's what history calls the apartment complexes. Simultaneously, Native Americans are being pushed onto reservations where they can't own land and amass wealth. And all the while this is going down, the vast majority of white dudes build or buy homes. 
This starts the great disparity in accumulated familial wealth that I've watched over 15 years personally, and because there is still so much disparity, I've been continuously seeking to learn why. So just looking at the inequality of wealth building systems should give some context to the positions of power these various groups have held or have never held. Okay, that was a good rant. God, I love real estate and fighting oppression. Okay, so now enough of my opinion. Let's check in with some motherfucking facts that I got in large part from history.com. Quote, years before Christopher Columbus stepped foot on what would become known as the Americas, the expansive territory was inhabited by Native Americans. Throughout the 16th and 17th centuries, as more explorers sought to colonize their land, Native Americans responded in various stages from cooperation to indignation to revolt. Yeah. After siding with the French in numerous battles during the French and Indian War and eventually being forcibly removed from their homes under Andrew Jackson's Indian Removal Act, Native American populations were diminished in size and territory by the end of the 19th century. Below are events that shaped Native Americans' tumultuous history following the arrival of foreign settlers. End quote. In case you were curious. As we all know, in 1492, Christopher Columbus lands on a Caribbean island after three months of traveling on that ocean blue. The dumb fuck at first believing that he had reached the East Indies, so naturally he described the natives he meets as Indians. On his first day, he orders six natives to be seized as servants. I would call them slaves. I think there's a dollop on these six, and uh, spoiler alert, it doesn't end well. April 1513, Spanish explorer um, Juan Ponce de Leon lands on continental North America in Florida and makes contact with Native Americans and just brings syphilis up and down the eastern seaboard. February 1521, Ponce de Leon departs on another voyage to Florida from San Juan to start a colony. Months after landing, Ponce de Leon is attacked by local Native Americans and fatally wounded. And the inner part of me that's been researching this for a while is like, yay, take down those whiteies. Okay, 19, oh, May um, 1539, because the Spanish are just raging over the domination of America, the Spanish explorer and conquistador Hernando, Hernando de Soto lands in Florida to conquer the region. He explores the South under the guidance of Native Americans who had been captured, also known as slaves, along the way. So the third dude from Spain um, landed in the Americas. And yes, Christopher Columbus was Italian, but he was hired um, on behalf of the Spaniards for this expedition. So don't come at me. October 1540, DeSoto and the Spaniards planned to rendezvous with ships in Alabama, but were attacked by Native Americans retaliating for the rape and pillaging they'd endured for decades. Hundreds of Native Americans are killed in the ensuing battle. 1595, approximately, because women don't mean shit in history. Or now. Brett Kavanaugh. Pocahontas is born in 1595. There are abouts. Daughter of Chief, uh, Chief Powhatan. Powhatan? I've heard it pronounced a few different ways. 
Pocahontas's brother kidnaps Captain John Smith in 1607 from the Jamestown colony. Smith later writes that after being threatened by Chief Powhatan, he was saved by Pocahontas. This scenario is debated by historians, but not Disney. They have it all figured out. In 1613, Pocahontas is captured by Captain Samuel Argall in the First Anglo-Poetan War. While captive, she learns to speak English, converts to Christianity, and is given the name Rebecca. If Rebecca made any choices in this matter is up for debate. There's this weird pattern in history. The accounts of women are lost if they're ever even recorded. Why? To quote one of my favorite podcasts, Queens, history is a bag of dicks. They have a tote bag that says as much, I highly suggest. It will meet all your fuck the patriarchy needs while maintaining that passive-aggressive approach we men, uh, westerns enjoy so much. They're out of Texas, so they must love their passive-aggressiva, too. 16, love you, Nathan and Katie. You guys are so great. Um, in 1622, the Powhatan Con- uh, Confederacy nearly wipes out Jamestown Colony. Can't even read my own notes. 1680, a revolt of Pueblo um, Pueblo Native Americans in New Mexico, th- uh, New Mexico threatens Spanish rule over New Mexico. Let's say that again. 1680, a revolt in Pueblo Native Americans. Pueblo Native Americans. Why can't I say that? I made a fucking Pueblo when I was in school out of play. Pueblo, Native Americans in New Mexico threatened Spanish overrule of New Mexico. That went down well. The French and Indian War begins in 1754, pitting the two groups against English settlements in the north. And during all this time, Native American communities are warring with the Europeans that are pushing them farther and farther back and also fighting with other Native tribes. And of course, all the disease the Spaniards brought over is killing people in scores. Assume this is happening from day one. I can't repeat it with every date. This genocidal shit is redundant. What was me, right? May 15, 1756, the Seven Years' War, as it is known, between the British and the French begins with Native American alliances aiding with the French again. May 7, 1763, Ottawa Chief Pontiac leads Native American forces into battle against the British in Detroit. The British retaliate by attacking Pontiac's warriors in Detroit on July 31st in what is known as the Battle of Bloody Run. Pontiac and company successfully fend them off, but there are several several casualties on both sides. 1785, the Treaty of Hopewell is signed in Georgia, protecting Cherokee Native Americans in the United States and sectioning off their land. But they wrote everything up in English, had the Native elders sign, and then the fucking colonists changed the maps, fucking the Native Americans over further. This is a theme that will come up multiple times, including in Minnesota, I think in like the 1850s or 60s regarding um, maybe the Crow Reservation or Mille Lacs. Can't recall now. Maybe I have it in my notes. Maybe not. Maybe it's Maybelline. 1788, 1789. Again, because history is a motherfucking bag of dicks. They don't know if Sacagawea was born in 1788 or 1789. No picture of Sacagawea is known to exist, so the image on the coin and to commemorate her in the form of a statue, they aren't even her. It's a guess of what she looked like. The fucking patriarchy. Sacagawea also saved Lewis and Clark on numerous occasions, as well as the rest of their party. Oh, and she had a six-week-old baby when they set out on their 18-month voyage across the motherfucking unknown. 
Oh, and she was also an enslaved child bride of a Frenchman. The things we aren't taught. Am I right? Which one killed himself? I'll have to look that one up. I'm pretty sure it was Louis. Mary Weather, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm 90%, 99% sure Louis took his own life. I digress. 1791. The Treaty of Holston is signed in which the Cherokee give up all of their land outside of the borders previously established. Again, the lines were drawn after signatures, and also it should be noted that only a handful agreed to this. Everyone else was just like, new land, who dis? August 20th, 1794, the Battle of Timbers, the last major battle over Northwest Territory between Native Americans and the United States following the Revolutionary War. And would you believe it? It results in U.S. victory. November 2nd, 1804, Native American Sacagawea, while six months pregnant, meets explorers Meriwether Lewis and William Clark during their exploration of the territory of the Louisiana Purchase. The explorers realize her value as a translator despite the fact she's a woman. April 7th, 1805, Sacagawea, along with her baby and husband, uh, Toussaint Charbonneau, oh, said that so fucking wrong, he's French, um, joined Lewis and Clark on their voyage. Again, she was 16 and was captured from her tribe and then married to Toussaint. She was a fucking slave, okay? Sex slave, whatever you want to call it. No, and I know times are different, blah, blah, blah. She was still stolen from her family and impregnated by a white man okay november 1811 u.s forces attack native american war chief um tecumesh i think that's a typo and his younger brother lalawika i said that so wrong i'm sorry native americans listening to this um their community at the juncture of the uh, Tip Canoe and Wabash Rivers is destroyed. This makes natives rage. Go figure. I know Wabasha is an area in Minnesota. Super helpful. June 18th, 1812. President James Madison signs a declaration of war against Britain, beginning the war between U.S. forces and the British, French, and Native Americans over independence and territory expansion. If only the Native Americans had a crystal ball. March 27, 1814, Andrew Jackson, along with U.S. forces and Native American allies, some histories say they were held captive with the health and safety of their families as leverage, but this isn't an official part of history. So U.S. forces and Natives attack allies, um, wait, Native allies attack Creek Indians who opposed American expansion and encroachment of their territory in the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. The Creeks cede more than 20 million acres of land after their loss. May 28, 1830, President Andrew Jackson signs the Indian Removal Act, which gives plots of land west of the Mississippi River to Native American tribes in exchange for land that is taken from them. Hey, Natives, here's some land in the desert that you can live on. Leave your ancestral home and come to Nevada. Also, Abraham Lincoln, he has a really great fucking, you know, reputation, blah, 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 Emancipation Proclamation, Free the Slaves, all of that shit. As he was doing that, he was, um, you know, starting that Trail of Tears shit and marching thousands of people to their deaths. Not allegedly, it fucking happened. 1836, the last of the Creek Native Americans leave their land for Oklahoma as part of the Indian removal process. Of the 15,000 Creeks who make the voyage to Oklahoma, more than 3,500 don't survive. 
That's a really pleasant spin. These 15,000 men, women, and children were herded up with what they could carry and marched at the pace set by the colonists. People that couldn't keep up were left behind or shot on the side of the road, including pregnant women. 1838, with only 2,000 Cherokees having left their land in Georgia to cross the Mississippi River, President Martin Van Buren enlists General Winfield Scott and 7,000 troops to speed up the process by holding them at gunpoint and marching them 1,200 miles. This forced removal would result in more than 5,000 Cherokee deaths as a result of the journey. The series of relocations of Native American tribes and their hardships and deaths during the journey would become to uh, be known as the Trail of Tears. There are several different routes that claim the Trail of Tears, including in my home state of Minnesota, but this Van Buren order was the OG Trail of Tears. Congratulations, Van Buren. What a great thing to be known for. 1851, Congress passes the Indian Appropriations Act, creating the Indian Reservation System. Native Americans aren't allowed to leave their reservations without permission. Think about that. All the land is stolen, families and cultures are decimated, and then the survivors are placed in glorified internment camps. Fuck. October 1860, a group of Apache Native Americans attack and kidnap a white American, resulting in the U.S. militarily falsely accusing the Native American leader of the uh, Chiraca Apache tribe. Um, Cohese? Cohese and the Apache increased raids on white Americans for a decade afterwards. I think this is the time period that is represented in Hell on Wheels, if you're interested. Don't quote me on that. I didn't look it up. I just think it was. November 29th, 1864, 650 Colorado volunteers, uh, force, uh, uh, excuse me, 650 Colorado volunteer forces attack Cheyenne um, and our Apaho encampments along Sand Creek, killing and mutilating more than 150 American Indians during what would become known as the Sandy Creek Massacre. 1873, Crazy Horse encounters General George Armstrong Custer for the first time. Custer, you know that name. 1874, gold discovered in South Dakota's Black Hills drives U.S. troops to ignore a treaty and invade the territory. Hmm, money making people abandon agreements, their morals, and all things good. God, I'm so glad that we got that fucking shit under control a century and a half later, right? Uh, I miss you, Obama. June 25th, 1876, in the Battle of Little Bighorn, also known as Custer's Last Stand, Lieutenant jo um, Colonel George Custer's troops fight Lakota Sioux and Cheyenne warriors led by Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull along Little Bighorn River. Custer and his troops are defeated and killed, increasing tensions between Native Americans and white Americans. October 6th, 1879, the first students attend Carlisle Indian Industrial School in Pennsylvania, the country's first off-reservation boarding school. The school, created by Civil War veteran Richard Henry Pratt, is designed to assimilate Native American students. Assimilate is such a nice, cute word for what was actually done. They weren't allowed to use their native name. They couldn't speak their native tongue. They couldn't dress or participate in any native celebrations. This was forced assimilation. February 8, 1887, President Grover Cleveland signs the Dawes Act, giving the president the authority to divide up land allotted to Native Americans in reservations to individuals. Some call this progress. Some think 
this only worsened things for Native Americans as a whole. December 15, 1890, Sitting Bull is killed during a confrontation with Indian police in Grand River, South Dakota. I think there's a good pod that covers Sitting Bull. It's fascinating. He's a contra- controversial figure to some. December 29th, uh, 1890, U.S. Armed Forces surround ghost dancers led by Chief Bigfoot near Wounded Knee Creek in South Dakota, demanding the surrender of their weapons. An estimated 150 Native Americans are killed in the Wounded Knee Massacre, along with 25 men in the U.S. Cavalry. Some reports say that the Natives were surrendering when they were massacred. January 29, 1907, Charles Curtis becomes the first Native American U.S. Senator. June 2nd, 1924, U.S. Congress passes the Indian Citizenship Act, granting citizenship to all Native Americans born in the territorial limits of the country. Previously, citizenship had been limited depending on what percentage Native American ancestry a person had, whether they were veterans or if they were women, whether they were married to a U.S. citizen. So many reasons to rage, but I will continue. March 4th, 1929, Charles Curtis serves as the first Native American U.S. vice president under President Herbert Hoover, and until 2018, he'd stand nearly alone as a political representative of the U.S. April 11th, 1968. 1968, people. The Indian Civil Rights Act is signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson, granting Native American tribes many of the benefits included in the Bill of Rights. Many, but not all. I don't have exact timelines on this, so I'm throwing it in at the end here. Look it up. American Orphan Trains. This practice was not limited to just Native American children. Children would literally get put on orphan trains and sent to a city where, usually a church, would place said children for adoption. Some of these kids still had parents. It was a moneymaker. It's fucking sick and something that is not well known either and reminiscent of what's going on at our border currently, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure that the dollop has an episode about one Catholic orphan train that uh, once in town divided the town along racial lines. Fucking shocking and no longer relevant. Thank God. So look up redlining and orphan trains for your next rabbit hole adventure. As always, I'm up to the challenge of breaking the taboo. Shedding light on subjects I think need more than a headline worth of attention. And if all else fails, I hope this pod will continue to serve as a conversation starter. So, is it fair to say race wasn't an issue regarding the Lincoln Memorial? Or anything for that matter, considering the fact that the same systems of oppression are still the status quo in 2019? Is it okay to dox kids? No. Is it okay for a kid to go on TV and defend himself? Sure. These teenagers have literally grown up with smartphones, the internet, social media, etc. They know that at any time, anything they do can be documented. That comes with responsibility. Should one event define a person for the rest of their life? That's not for me to decide, fortunately. I will say, if you're going to own your position and live with conviction, then you can't be surprised or upset when people don't agree with your position. I know it's probably hard for the future Brett Kavanaugh's of the world to think that their behavior will be documented and memorialized. Wall calendars won't save them in the future. Is this a lesson for the Covington High students to learn now? Or should they get a pass and learn their lessons after they do a Tiki Torch style rally and go on to lose their jobs? 
Can this be used as a teaching lesson for the Covington High School, the community, and the country at large? Yeah, it could. It won't be. It will be another dividing line that splits the nation along party lines. My opinion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Taboo and Murder. I don't think discussing the atrocities perpetrated by white people are taboo, but it feels like there's a third of the country that disagrees with me on that one. I doubt that people listening still are in that 35% that support all things MAGA. If you have um, any episode ideas, please reach out on Twitter at SMTaboo. Feel free to share this with somebody if you think they could benefit from hearing it. Also, I would greatly appreciate if you'd subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Thanks for listening.